0: The first reading is taken from Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house to get today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He's gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost.
1: Do you know, in uh, next month, I think, yeah, it'll be 20 years since I first came as one of the ministers of this church, 20 years ago. And some things have changed so much. uh, And some things never change. For example, Nigel doing the offering. (laughs) And he's gone out. (laughs) He's there doing the offering as ever, 20 years on. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the privilege of coming together this evening and singing together and praying together and just being together in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for your word and for this simple story this evening that many of us know. But Lord, we pray that by the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit, you would, in some way, speak to our hearts so that we might leave this evening knowing that we've drawn closer to you and that we've become a little bit more like Jesus and changed into his image. And we ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So, it was 1998... And David Richardson and I ran a joint Brighton Road and life trip to Israel. And on the visit to uh, Jericho, we saw the very sycamore tree, the sycamore fig tree that Zacchaeus, uh, whose encounter with Jesus we're thinking about today, the very one that he climbed up. Well, it could well have been. And to illustrate the point, we needed a slightly shorter man, to kind of help us understand it, uh, such as Zacchaeus was, we understand, from the, from the uh, passage. And we, ne- we wanted him to stand by the tree as we read the passage from Luke 19. And your very own Clive Reed fitted the bill. <laughs> and Clive obliged, and it made the story come alive to us. Do you remember that? Yeah, I had a photo. I should have put it up really, but uh, had a photo of you standing in front of that very tree. Many of us have been to the doctor, haven't we, because we needed help physically. We might have st- started with self-medication and taken some pills maybe. We maybe rested, drunk some water. but there came a point when we said, "No, it's time. I need to go and see the doctor." And we go with the expectation that they'd be able to diagnose the cause of our illness and prescribe the right kind of medication. Well, in one sense, Zacchaeus perhaps was in a similar situation. He wasn't physically sick. In fact, he was probably quite fit uh, to be able to climb up a tree. I'm not sure Clive could have at the time, but uh, Zacchaeus obviously did here. It seems that for all his wealth... There was something lacking in his life. We could say perhaps that he was spiritually sick. It seems that there was an emptiness in his heart. And how do we know that? Well, the Bible says he was a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector and he was wealthy. And in Jesus' time, tax collectors were hated by society. And verse 7 of the passage we had read to us, we read that when Jesus wanted to go to his house, the crowd muttered, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But why? Why was he looked down upon? Well, firstly, because of who he worked for, the Romans. Jews were forced to pay taxes to the Roman government. They were unhappy about doing that, but they didn't have any choice. And yet these tax-collecting Jews were helping foreigners to collect their taxes and they were considered as traitors to israel and then also because from what he shared at the end of this story it seems he's been cheating people knew that they were dishonest why were they so rich well through dishonest means so often they made their money by extortion from taking from their fellow jews more than what was owed to the roman political authorities and they kept the extras for themselves So in the Gospels, tax collectors were mentioned together with sinners and prostitutes. They were of the same class. And Zacchaeus wasn't only a tax collector, but he was the chief tax collector. So he was hated. And that's not a very nice position to be in, knowing that everybody around you uh, hates you. And as the chief tax collector, he didn't have a fixed salary, apparently. I just read something about it. But it said, the Roman administration would levy a city, the amount of money they expected the city to contribute in a year. The chief tax collector would pay that amount to the Roman authorities and then have the sole right and freedom to impose and collect taxes from the inhabitants of the city. He himself determined how much each person would pay. He'd employ tax collection agents to go around and collect the taxes and whatever money they collected over and above the lump sum he paid to the Roman administrator was his profit. So there were a lot of shady dealings with this kind of tax collectors and you know when we're doing things wrong whether we know God or not we do have a conscience And he was uncomfortable, I'm sure. I mean, we're surmising here, but it seems that he was uncomfortable. He must have been uncomfortable with what he was doing. And also, the fact that he was an outcast must have made him very lonely. He probably was lonely because he was so hated by the people around him. And he he needed something like we all do. He needed acceptance, probably, fulfilment in life something that could fill the emptiness in his heart he was rich he could buy anything that he wanted but money can never satisfy the longing in our heart we know so much don't we see on the news and rich people really really rich people always wanting something more I knew someone who um, had watches liked watches He was a rich person, and he always wanted another watch, and a different watch, and a more expensive watch, and then another watch. I mean, how many watches do you need? But it just was never enough. You're never satisfied, and we see this so often. And money obviously didn't seem to satisfy his longing. And that's probably why he had this great desire to see Jesus. He'd heard about Jesus, he wanted to see him personally. He was so passionate that he was willing to climb up a tree. He was short and he couldn't see over the crowd, so we read that he was willing to climb up this tree. Middle Eastern adult, chief tax collector, wealthy man wearing nice clothes, didn't usually shin up trees. And this encounter, as so often happens, this encounter with Jesus changed him completely completely turned his life around. And he realizes two things, I think, at least. He recognizes and realizes, in the end, Jesus is seeking love. He realizes that, in one sense, Jesus was the one looking for him. He was up the tree. Jesus was walking by. Everyone's eyes were on Jesus. Nobody noticed Zacchaeus. Yet the Bible says that Jesus reached the spot and stopped. And then he looked up to Zacchaeus and he called him. Was Zacchaeus looking for Jesus? Or was it Jesus who found Zacchaeus? It was Jesus who stopped under the tree. It was Jesus who looked up. It was Jesus who called him by his name. Jesus knew his name. He knows us. Before we even think we know him, he knows us. And when we seek him, he's already there. God revealed to the prophet Jeremiah, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's not that God's playing hide and seek. He just wants us to know him. He wants everyone to know him as our saviour as our creator as our god he wants us to know him and all of this isn't religion it's about a relationship with this person jesus man searches for god in so many different ways they try hard we can use all kinds of ways and means to find god we think that by our own efforts by our good deeds that we can we can make it to heaven but We can't. We can't ever do that. We know that. Most of us here this evening know that simple gospel message, but it's good to be reminded that the truth is God is reaching down towards us. God revealed himself to us in the person of Jesus. Jesus himself said in that passage in verse 10, For the Son of Man, that was him, came to seek and to save what was lost. Religion is man trying to. To reach for God, Christianity is God reaching down to man in that person of Jesus. You know, when I went to Brazil on mission, um, went to a place called Aparecida, and um, it was a big, kind of, well, it looked like a big cathedrally type place from the outside. And there was a wind. I might have told you this before, but there was a winding road uh, path that went all the way up. And in this place, which was kind of large. There was nothing very much in it, but it was kind of a aw- bit of an awesome place, really. But in it was, was a, a little tiny uh, statue of the Virgin Mary, right up the top, um, with flashing lights around. And they'd found it in the a nearby river. And then they began to worship. She was worshipped there. Wrong one. She. They were worshipping this statue of the, the Virgin Mary and they felt that they had to do things to earn her approval and all the way up on this path they used to go up many of them on bended knees and you could see the blood on the path where they went up where they scraped their knees going up because the more they felt the more they did that the more they did that they, that they would be a blessing or something you know, we don't need to do any of those things. Jesus has come to us. We just need to seek him. And there he'll be, already there, waiting for us. Sometimes we're not even seeking him. And he comes to meet with us. Like the Apostle Paul, who wasn't a, was a Christian hater, had Christians persecuted and wasn't looking for Jesus as it were at all. And Jesus, in his grace and in his mercy, appeared before him on that Damascus road. That's why Paul could say that he was the chief of sinners and it was all by grace. It was all God's grace. But people try so hard to find him. People try so hard to run away from him. I went to Japan for three weeks last month. Um, I went because I had a month's only a month's sabbatical (laughs) I I had a month's sabbatical I've spaced mine out a bit that's why Um, and I went because um, I went to write a book actually, I've never thought about writing a book, I've never wanted to write a book Um, but last September, and I know because I shared this with with Tim at the time uh, last September I knew I had a month's sabbatical the following year and so I remember the place where I stood in my in my lounge, and I said to God, okay, well, if I've got a month's sabbatical, what shall I do with it? I want to do something useful. And immediately, I felt, I heard, write a book. So I thought, write a book? What about? I haven't got time. I've got the headspace. What am I going to write a book about? But but you know, when when you think you've heard God, you have to step out in faith. Now, if you're wrong, it'll be confirmed along the way. But if you feel that you've heard God, then you need to do that. I put it to the back of my mind that day in fact well at the time I said to God okay if you want me to write a book about my faith and my life if you want me to write a book you'll have to confirm it today and I wasn't seeing anybody that day and I was at my computer and an email came from my administrator and she said something 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 you're good at this she said you ought to do more writing and for me that was my confirmation and so I stepped out i didn't really know what I was doing. I went on a little bit of a retreat and, uh, for three days and got it started. And I knew I had to go somewhere. Um, I knew I had to go to Japan. And in Japan, I could stay in a friend's house. And um, I just could focus on just that. And so I did that. And, and I finished it. And um, it includes my, some of my paintings. And I was going to self-publish it because I didn't think... Any publisher would want it, but um, as it so happens, um, a publisher is going to publish it, so it's in that process at the moment. But it's not an auto, its not just an autobiography. But it's why I'm sharing this is because it's about my testimony and my testimony about running away from God and trying to escape from Him. I'd glimpsed Him. I'd started to respond, but I didn't want the restrictions. I went—I went to London. And everywhere I went, there were Bible verses and posters and people handing out tracts. And I thought, I'll go to Japan. This was, um, how long ago was it? 40 years ago. I'll go to Japan, I thought. He won't be there. And I forgot all about God. And when I got there, I broke my leg skiing in a mountain village. And I, we moved to this particular place, to this mountain village. Um, and two doors a- away, there was a missionary just there, reminding me of what I'd glimpsed those years ago. And I knew I had vivid dreams. You've heard my testimony before. And I knew I had to go knock on her door and ask her how I could really be saved, Um, which, as we know, is a missionary's dream. But it was the grace of God. I was trying to run away from God. But he was there, one step ahead of me, all the way. And I don't know where you're all at this evening. I don't know, I presume most, most are Christians. Maybe not everybody is. But maybe some of you haven't made that decision yet. And you're still running away from God. Or perhaps you've shinned up a tree and you're just looking from a distance. But he knows about you. We seek him. But when we do, we find that he's already there with open arms. Even in the Old Testament, the psalmist said, O Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit, when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways before a word is on my tongue. You know it completely, O Lord. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. Today you may feel small. You may feel unworthy, you may feel you've blown it, you may feel that nobody takes any notice of you and why would God want to take notice of you, but it is a wonderful thing to know that he does notice you, he does know your name, maybe you knew him and you've drifted away, all all a bit boring, or maybe you've really messed up and you think God isn't interested in having you back, but he is, he's just waiting, he's just waiting. He knows you're there. He'll come looking for you when you look for him. So Zacchaeus realized Jesus is seeking love. And then secondly, he realized that Jesus could transform his life completely. He experienced his saving power as we said he knew Zacchaeus, he called out his name. The first time, they'd never met, as far as we know, but he knew his name. And he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Because Jesus knew Zacchaeus' heart. He knew he was seeking him. Jesus knew everything. He knew he was restricted in some way. He restricted himself in some ways. But he knew Zacchaeus's heart. He knew that there was an emptiness in his heart, like he knows where you're at today or where I'm at. Whether you're really thirsty to know more of God, whether you're just bumbling along, or whether the testimony you had years and years ago is just so far away now. He knows exactly where you're at. He knew about Zacchaeus. He knew, I'm sure he knew there was an emptiness in his heart, and he invited himself to his home. Jesus invited himself. To his home. I think it's the only instance in the Gospels where we see Jesus inviting himself to someone's house and it just reminds me in one sense of that verse in Revelation 3 20. Here I am I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door I'll come in and eat with him and he with me. And Jesus didn't merely visit him. When we read this we, 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 we think that perhaps it all happened immediately but we probably possibly stayed for a day or two. No one would want to go to a sinner's house, but Jesus did, because that's why he's come, that verse again, for the Son of Man came to seek and save that was what was lost. And Zacchaeus presumably got to know Jesus, he got to know who he was and why why he'd come, and he got to know more fully God and his his will. And not only Did he receive Jesus into his house, he eventually received him into his heart. He believed him. He had his eyes opened. He realized that he was in need of forgiveness and that Jesus would be the only one who could do something about maybe the emptiness in his heart. Or Jesus could forgive him for the mess he'd made of his life, for the sins, for the wrongs he'd done. And he did that. The story doesn't fill in those details, but it seems he experienced the grace of God. And it's so beautiful. The gospel is so beautiful. Jesus came to Zacchaeus because he knew that he was lost. And we were all lost, those of us who are Christians here. Sometimes I think we forget that. And sometimes we forget to be thankful and grateful for the way that Jesus reached down and saved us. And sometimes we lose that, that awe and wonder of this salve, sal, uh, saving grace. And therefore we don't go out and share it with other people. We can't be bothered. And we've all, we all kind of go through those times. But, but it is so beautiful. All are lost. We, we all, like sheep, have gone astray, Isaiah tells us. Each of us has turned to his own way. And for your friends and your family or anybody here who doesn't know Jesus yet, unless there is some kind of intervention, then we are eternally lost. They are eternally lost. But but God came. He sent Jesus. There is a way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through him. Zacchaeus, too, was lost in sin and until God intervened in that merciful way. How can we hide from God? We can't hide from God. He knows everything about us. If Jesus can call Zacchaeus by name, God can call you by name. He can call your friends by name and our family members who don't know Jesus. And so when Zacchaeus believed and accepted Jesus, something happened. He experienced a transformation. His heart was changed. Verse 9 says, this day is salvation has come to this house. Zacchaeus he experienced a new life. And that new life had to result in transformation. It has to result in a transformation in the way we think and the way we act. When people become Christians, if there's no change at all, we're not talking about perfection because it takes a long time. And we'll never be perfect till we get to heaven, obviously. And we make mistakes all the way along. My book is full of the things that I've made mistakes and keep making mistakes about. But there has to be some sort of transformation in our lives that that people can see. And here, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. Immediately. You know, he he was... taking things from people up to now. Now he's saying, I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor. He was so convicted, it seems, by his kind of lifestyle that he wanted to do something about it. He wasn't doing it to earn salvation. He would have done it as a result of gratitude. And he said, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. That's some kind of transformation. Previously living for self, now thinking about the poor. And the needy, previously cheating other people, now repaying those who he had cheated. He he was being utterly honest and upfront about what he'd done as well. And it's always good to confess our sins, not necessarily blaring them out to everybody in a service, but it's always good to, to share with someone. Of course we can just say to God, but sometimes we need to share and be accountable for the things that we are struggling with. He demonstrated, well, there was a demonstration of the inward change in his heart by an outward action. And that needs to happen, doesn't it? And Zacchaeus was convicted by his sin, desired to walk right with God. He desired to be obedient. He wanted to put the past behind him. No one person could change Zacchaeus. No rules could help him. No education could correct him. But Jesus transformed him when he believed him when he got to know who Jesus was, faith in Christ changed him. 2 Corinthians says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And only Jesus can transform our lives from what we were into something new, wonderful, and purposeful, and meaningful. And again, the things that I wrote in this book were to show how how God can take someone who was so not into God and turn them around and reveal his plans and his purposes to them. Forty years since that happened. And when I went back to Japan, I went back to the church. I preached in the church. that I'd be, I, was, I was there for 14 years nearly and uh, was working, helping out in the church and teaching Sunday school in the church and everything. And to go back there and see people who... For just for one i finish with this but just one example one lady she um, I used to meet her with my son at the bus stop and uh, when they were only little and I, I I was telling her about you know church and would you like to go and you know it's really hard in Japan for, for people to become Christians it's really hard but she said she would like to come and she did and she brought her husband and her family and 40 Years on, they're still there serving God. He's I mean, uh, you know, in eldership in the church still going strong. Because Jesus they met Jesus and he turned their life around. So where are you this evening? Have you shinned back up that tree? Are you looking a bit at Jesus from afar? Maybe you knew him but You've pushed him away at arm's length at the moment because you've done some things that, or you're doing some things that have put a big barrier between you. Well, that's okay. You can come to him and say sorry, and he will forgive you, and you can get right back with him. He is so good. He is so full of grace. And maybe for anyone here this evening who doesn't know Jesus at all, or you've been coming along to church because your parents have told you to come along, and it's, you know, you like the youth group or whatever. I don't know where you're at um, with God, so I'm not looking at anybody. But, you know, today is a day of salvation, the Bible says. Today is still a day of salvation. Those arms are still extended, ready and waiting for you, just as you are, without one plea. You just need to say, Jesus, I come. Jesus, I come. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are a God of grace and mercy. And you, your primary purpose was to come and seek those who are lost. And the lost are anybody who, who isn't in relationship with their Heavenly Father. And that's why you died on that cross. And that's why when we come to you we can ask forgiveness and that, have that relationship with you and we want to thank you but we know that we aren't always a faithful people and we drift away for one reason or another and you're there waiting for us to come back still that God of grace and mercy empower us this evening Lord God fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit so that we can go out and share the wonderful news that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Amen.